From APM American Public Media, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. When James G. wrote What Video Games Have to Teach Us About Learning and Literacy, his ideas about the educational value of gaming were, as he would put it, disruptive. That was back in 2003. And since then, so-called educational video games have flooded the market, from preschool to grad school. Parents buy them, too, eager to accelerate their children's learning. One of James G.'s favorite games is called Portal. We believe that a highly motivated test subject can carry out rather complex tasks while enduring the most intense pain. So in case you don't make it through the testing, goodbye. James G. joins us on the podcast this week. He is a professor of literacy studies at Arizona State University and a member of the National Academy of Education. He's the author of several books about linguistics and about video games. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. You say that a good game can teach a student literacy as effectively or even more so than reading or writing. What do you mean? Games require you to be able to read, but they put the reading in a context of showing you what the words mean by the actions you take, by the images you see. So just think of it, a game is a virtual world. So if a science book is about geology, it's about stuff in the world, and it would be nice to have the words, the person, and the world all together. What about Portal, this game that you say you like? What's it like and what does it do? So Portal, which is a very fun game, there's two two of them. You, you essentially use a portal gun, which makes either an orange portal or a blue portal, and you go in one and you come out the other. And the portals operate by certain laws of physics in that world. And you have to solve a bunch of interesting problems of getting out of a la- different laboratories that where a robot wants to kill you uh, by using these portals, nothing more. So essentially, you are trying to figure out the physics of the portals and the physics of the world so that you can accomplish your goals. I assume that all games are not educational and that they are that they're sort of a ranking order of the value of games. How do you decide what is an effective educational game and what isn't? See, this depends on what you mean by education, because a lot of times what we mean by education is we're learning content, and by content we mean facts. We mean memorizing facts or formulas. If you mean by uh, education, which I think you should mean problem-solving, that is learning how to use facts and formulas as tools to solve problems, then any game is a learning experience because all a video game is is a set of problems and tools to solve them, and you have to learn good strategies for solving the problems. Now, that just means that the games that are better for education are the ones that have problems in them that we think are important for people to learn. But all of them are problem-solving spaces. So a game like Civilization, where you're trying to learn how to run a civilization for thousands of years by balancing all the complex variables that go into a civilization. Most people see problems like that as not only very good for school, I mean, things people ought to know. Some people think nobody should be the president of a country if they haven't at least won one civilization. Right, but presumably games that are about stealing cars or blowing other people up, there are problems involved in that, but that's not necessarily content that carries as much value as, say, civilization or Minecraft. Again, you want to choose the problems that you think are important for people to solve. So a game like Call of Duty 
uh, is solving military problems. And if you're a soldier and you're the military, you probably care about those problems and want a good platform where people don't actually get killed to do it. You probably do not want your 12-year-old spending their time on that problem set. You write that games could one day be used in place of standardized tests. A game, remember being a well-mentored, well-designed problem space, can collect copious information about what you do across time and can compare it to millions of other players. This raises the issue that with that amount of data, if it is managed right, mind right, that we could begin to evaluate people on many different variables and across long periods of time and compared to many other people so that we really talk about trajectories of growth across multiple pathways, not some fall-out-of-the-sky test that tells you what you did for an hour on Tuesday. Um, And so assessment become about growth. Furthermore, because this data is so copious, uh, we could massage it one way for administrators, one way for teachers, one way for learners to use themselves, but using the same data. We could all be on the same page, and we could see collecting this data as about how do I resource learners to grow over time. Now, just to be clear, you're not arguing that games should replace actual texts, students actually writing papers and that kind of thing. No, although there are games in which you do write papers and stuff. I I have never argued games should replace anything. They are just one tool among many. What I have argued, though, is that the type of learning games engage in and that the way they teach we should use in school whether you have a game or not. For example, just take one case. Games give language and information either just in time, that is a little bit of it when you can use it, or on demand, a lot of it when you know you need it and are ready for it, right? We know from the research that information and language just in time and on demand is very effective for learning. Large blocks of information when people are not ready for them or cannot apply them is bad. So that principle is in games because if they didn't use good principles, they'd go broke because they're a problem-solving space. We, I want to put principles like that in school, and I want to say let's use every type of technology and tool we have for their best uses to do that, not just games. But for some parents, a bright line would be whether or not a game involves violence. Right. What do you say to those parents who worry about violence in games? Well, first of all, I, I would worry about any content your child is engaging in by their age and their readiness. But I would also say that the obsession we have about video game violence is because they're a new technology. Um, If you ask how many people have been killed because of somebody playing a video game, uh, you know, maybe it's 10, I don't know, it's certainly uh, not 100. If you ask how many people have been killed because somebody read a book that told them that God wanted them to kill somebody or kill unbelievers, whether it was the Koran or the Bible or something else, we're into the hundreds of millions. So games have nothing like the capacity for power that books have. They may in the future. You know, no one thinks God wrote a video game, but they think he wrote a book. They just don't agree which book. So the fact is books are very powerful, it, we, but we've lost the sense of their power because we take them for granted. Um, That doesn't mean video games can't be powerful, but it means, you know, uh, we should worry about violent media, uh, including, you know, what television shows, movie shows, as well as all the violence we have in the world. So I'm all for really lowering the level of violent depictions, but I would like to uh, lower the level of real violence, too. Now, um, you know, uh, there's a big issue here. Uh, The media knows a lot about Grand Theft Auto because it's such a 
you know, a game with a lot of hype. Uh, but Grand Theft Auto was a beloved game to gamers, to mature gamers. The reason it, Grand Theft Auto is a perfectly good game to play if you're playing it strategically and thinking about strategies and plans, because it has hard problems to solve. It's a very hard game to play. If you're just reveling in the content, the violence, then you're immature and you're not playing the game correctly. Uh, every episode of shooting or violence in the game could be, be replaced by something else, like instead of putting a bomb in a car, put flowers for somebody in a car but don't get caught. The problem space is different than the content per se. So the real issue that a parent should be asking is, first of all, is my kid old enough to play this game? But second of all, if no matter what their age are, are they playing it at a strategic level and a thinking level? And in there, are they taking their interest in those problems like how to mod the game, change the game, reprogram the game into new interests? Or are they just reveling in the bloodshed, in which case you got a problem? From your perspective, how well and how extensively are schools using video games and, and other kinds of games in their curricula? Uh, so far, you know, there's so many people who would love to sell games to schools just as they wanted to sell textbooks because it's a big market. But there's a tremendous amount of misunderstanding here. And one thing is textbooks are not a good resource because they're, the, they're a one-size-fits-all, will do everything with one tool device, and it, all the research shows it doesn't work. We don't want to replace the textbook with another one-size-fits-all, do everything with one tool device. Uh, games are powerful if they're a part of a larger curriculum. As I mentioned, in the uh, w world outside of school, players truly interested in a game like Portal go and investigate its software, its design, and they get onto sites and articulate their knowledge and review and critique. Uh, so we want games in a, in a learning system, and schools have not been good at that. A deeper problem here, though, is we know digital texts are going to go to school. Uh, texts on iPads that won't just be words. There'll be images, graphs, movies, videos, games, simulate. We're, that's going to go to school. You know, we already had a debacle on that in California. And when that digital text goes to school and people are learning through more than just words, we've got to get the learning right. Teachers have to know what to do with it. We have to know what tools are best for what purposes, and we have to create systems. And so far, we're not doing a good job with that. I mean, the part of the problem in California is the digital curriculum on the iPads, it was not set up in a way that it could train the teachers how to use it or integrate with a larger set of activities. It was an inert thing. So we're going to go with digital text. There's no doubt at all that they're going to replace uh, textbooks because they're cheaper anyway. But once we start getting much richer resources, games being one of them, we're going to have to pay attention to how the teachers you know, what skills they need to design curriculum, and we're going to have to pay attention to how we put good tools together, not hype one tool or one game or one text. James G. is a professor of literacy studies at Arizona State University. He's written extensively about video games and education. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks also to KQED for a website called MindShift, which is about the future of learning, including how games influence learning. We have a link to MindShift's Guide to Games and Learning at our website. Their guide has a lot of in-depth research as well as tips for how to choose and use educational games. So you can find more podcasts about digital learning and other issues in K-12 and higher education at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, browse our archive of more than 100 documentary projects and let us know what you think of our coverage. That's AmericanRadioWorks.org. 
You can like us on Facebook at American.RadioWorks, and you can follow us on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from Lumina Foundation, the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.